Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart, Garrett Eisler here back after a extended break for various vacations. Yes, very extended. And had we done this one day earlier, we're recording today on uh, September 25th, but on September 24th, 1970, was Philip the, was asked to move from his no. the series premiere of The Odd <laughs> Couple. Uh, so 52 yes. years ago and a day. Right. Started. Which means once again, we missed that landmark. We missed that milestone. We could have, we didn't even mention it when we started the podcast. We could have made a, we didn't realize, I think we knew, but we didn't what? make a big deal. <laughs> Let me finish the sentence. Okay. We didn't make a big deal when we started this podcast in 2020 that it was indeed the 50th anniversary. Yes. We, we could have, have called it the 50th anniversary of our couple podcasts. But. We have, as someone who, takes stock in these often take stock in these type of anniversaries and noticeable celebrations i've been very amiss amiss remiss in 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 in, uh, coordinating them with our podcast and so have you yes i i i I beg forgiveness for us well we do have some listeners our listener jackson is the one who pointed out that uh it was uh, the anniversary. So luckily, our, some of our uh, listeners point out things that we miss in terms of. I the- hope we still have some listeners after. Yes, <laughs> we are. He's still here, and we we are still. Uh, we this is not our last. At least we don't expect it to be our last um, uh, pod. Uh, it's uh, we got some more bonus features, if you will, up our sleeves. I know you have two things, two pieces of trivia or something but let me just tell the listeners what we're doing today so today we're going to cover three topics we're going to cover the cover the odd couple together again tv movie mm-hmm. we're going to cover the night the 2000s version of the odd couple with matthew perry and then we're going to i'm going to say briefly cover the mm-hmm. oddball couple cartoon these are the things we did not get to when we spent our longest <laughs> our podcast, longest marathon podcast. Ironically, our longest podcast about the Odd Couple was about the new Odd Couple. <laughs> yes. Um, so what? Uh, so I just yeah over our hiatus, I just uh, discovered two uh, fun little factoids. Uh, one is that speaking of new Odd Couple, um, I did follow up and watch a f- you know we we, we did not. We both admitted that we had not watched the entire uh, season, but uh, at the time, and I tried to catch, I tried to f- finish up whatever was left that I could find. And I did find, I think, as I already indicated on the last show, that um, the later shows in the season I felt did get better, especially when they developed their own original scripts and were not relying on the old scripts. And so I, I do recommend some of the, the later episodes of that season if people haven't seen them. Uh, and one of the things that happens in one of those later episodes is a brief um, uh, supporting appearance by none other than Billy Sands. Oh, who does Odd he play? Odd Couple 
original odd couple series regular who had how many like five we're not regular but recurring okay recurring uh guest star who does he play what a character he shows up in the episode where oscar needs gets a computer he has to trade it. he finally his typewriter is broken and he gets a computer a personal computer which i like because at least it's current with the 1980s uh, and he's the, the computer delivery, or he takes, maybe he takes the typewriter. He's, he's old by that point. And uh, Billy Sands, he was already old in the original odd couple. So he must've been close to 80. And he comes, he's like the delivery man. He has like just a couple of wisecrack lines and he goes, but I can't, with Mark Rothman, well, he might not still have been running the show at that time, but it had to have been a, an homage of some sort or a, yeah. a wink, a tribute to He's like, as far as I know, the, oh, he, I would say he's the only person who actor who appeared in both series, but you actually identified the, um, yes. The woman who plays the ticket scalper lady shows up as not the opera singer, but the equivalent of the opera singer. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I learned is I've I've been, you know, I'd be curious about the, uh, the versions of the original series that are on Pluto. So whenever I can actually access pluto I, I think just pluto you know <laughs> you don't have to pluto? say no i don't think so <laughs> um so whenever i'm actually able to get access to pluto what do you mean whenever you just you can just I go mean, online whenever yeah well when you can wait for the several windows to oh close, i see what you're saying yeah like to get it off whatever channel it wants you to go on and um so yeah it has been i Maybe it's because I'm not, I haven't been watching the DVDs like in a DVD player, but uh, I found the quality of the streaming on Pluto fantastic. Like the, the quality, the visual quality of the shows that they're streaming is great. Uh, just maybe, or maybe because I'm not watching on my phone when I'm watching on Pluto, I'm watching on a, on a Rico. Uh, what is that what it's called? Oh. I, Roku. 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 Yeah, I Rico couldn't. is a crime, not Roku. Okay. Um, so I watched Laundry Orgy again, mm-hmm. and you know the season premiere of the pilot, and um, gets Felix makes the reference that he had as a sister. In the in the pilot, he references. He references yeah, because he okay. makes they make a joke there. He's talking about how he's been always shy with girls, and he said, "I had to, you know, the only girl I could take to my school dance was my sister, and she was twelve, uh, and she never shows up again." So we did have this continuity. You know, the brother in Buffalo is actually referenced in the play, uh, but the sister is never heard from again. So that was the other point. Was he references? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, all right. Should we move on to the? Yep. At last, we had been pro. You know, we kept talking <laughs> during the last show. I think I kept warning you we were not going to get to this. And you were right. So people listening were probably still waiting to hear this. And now, six weeks later, here it is. Uh, so this was uh, aired Odd Couple Together again. Was a two-hour TV movie aired September twenty-fourth. Hey, that's the same wow. date as the anniversary. I didn't even realize that. They must I, that. Must, must have been intentional. Must have been not. Yeah, must have been not a coincidence. Um, 1993. So that's 29 years ago, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, aired on CBS. So not ABC is not connected to the Odd Couple this time. But it was still Paramount. Production. I had to be Paramount. Yeah. I mean, I didn't look at the credit. I didn't look at the. They own the rights. They own the rights to show. Um, Donnie Randall returns 
as Felix Unger with the U with an E this time, no A. Right. Right. Jack Klugman is plays Oscar Madison. Uh, I'm familiar with the name. Penny Marshall comes back as Myrna right. Turner. Well, not Turner, I guess, anymore. Whatever Sheldon's last name. Barbara Barry now is Gloria. I don't know why Janice Hansen could not return. I mean, I guess Barbara Barry, Janice Hansen never became a star, never had a, a prominent role after but Odd Couple. Who got, I mean, but Barbara I, Barry at least was Barney Miller, right? So, yeah, so. but. I, there's no reason. That's not a reason, in my opinion, not to. I mean, I'm, maybe they approached yeah. her and she didn't want to do it, or who knows? Wasn't she? Didn't she also go like retire from acting? Yeah, she did. Yeah, she went. I think she became well. a. We talked about what she became. And I don't remember. But, but as Barbara, we'll just, as we'll discuss, I think like the some of the casting choices are. I mean, you think they would want to please the fans? And yes. So not either when you couldn't get the original to still have the same character played by a totally different actor is not pleasing the fans. So Barbara Barry is also known for Stephen Sondheim's company. Um, yes. As you said, Barney Miller's wife on Barney Miller, although she's not in that show that often. She was Brooks Shields' mother on Suddenly Susan, and she was Oscar nominated for the movie Breaking Away. Now, one person who should have been back, I don't again know why, was Al Moronaro as Murray. He was certainly well known. He was not. He did not return. Instead, we get, uh, maybe this is what you're alluding to, a very oddly cast Jerry Adler, who has a very interesting career background. He was a behind the he he was a behind the scenes person for most of his career in show business as stage manager. He started acting in 1991 when he was 62. Yeah, yeah. And he started acting on one of my favorite short-lived shows, Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, I, rem by Gary. I remember that existing. I never watched it. Though. Oh, that show was is fantastic. Gary David Goldberg's the second, or I don't know if it's the second show after Family Ties. I don't think so, but a fantastic show. Then his biggest break, and I remember this, was in Woody Allen's Manhattan Murder yes, Mystery. Right. And people probably know him best as Hesh on The Sopranos. Mm, right. He was also in Rescue Me, The Good Wife, Transparent, Mad About You. So, I mean, this guy started Yeah, acting. he was a stage manager, I think. Stage he was, manager, he was yeah. a New York theater, Broadway yeah, kind of guy. Yeah, it's amazing. He to... was well, so he, can, he had all these connections. Everyone knew him. And I think he, uh, he had, his, but he had a very... Uh, strong look he's a big guy and kind of imposing looking uh but also not but not mean in his personality just kind of an imposing big man and i think when he got older he had this kind of older i don't know people wanted to cast him as gangsters and villains usually <laughs> like in the woody allen movie <laughs> it's very odd i mean it's not it's very unusual to have a to become a pretty well, it's almost like john hausman you know who also was but he was acting from early on not very early. He he uh, was a he was Orson Welles's producer on for theater. But he wasn't sixty two when he started. I think he was close, like the Paper Chase. He was something like that. Yeah, but I I thought he was acting way before the Paper Maybe Chase. Maybe he did. Yeah. But of course, you talked about how Al, Al Monaro also started acting Rel right more older. in his forties yeah, or so. Yeah. But uh, and and uh, he wasn't very active anyway by the 90s al yeah so. that may be why he wasn't here uh gary gary Wahlberg is back at speed which is amazing so at least uh, they have him yeah. dick van patten plays roy now and couldn't then, they make it up to the roy guy from they seem to really <laughs> shit on the roy guy he, he was never in anything i mean just give the guy a break you know uh tony callum plays edna and she's most known as big pussy's wife on the sopranos another sopranos connection so this is written and directed by a guy I've never heard of before mm -hmm. now, Robert Klein. And you K. have looked up his credits, right? I did. He wrote the book and the movie Where's Papa? 
Mm-hmm. He has no other connection to the Odd Couple franchise. Uh, it was produced by Howard Koch, who did the original movie. Um, and it seems like Klain must have watched a lot of Odd Couple reruns because he does throw in a fair amount of references. Yes. yes. But I, it's 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 interesting to me because this happens from time to time in TV where people with no involvement in a franchise somehow get involved in a franchise. And it's just like, how did this guy who I don't know this name of become the writer and director? Yeah. Well, I'll, you know, I do have uh, some background. I've just, I've researched into how this came about, like uh, why this did not involve Gary Marshall. Go ahead. Tell us now. Uh, I think I'd rather tell when we're done. Okay, fine. Because it, it involves reading a, a, a long interview with Gary. Okay. But so, I do want to say you're missing Mr. Klain. Is that his name? Klain, yeah. Did I miss a Mr. credit? Mr. Klain's most successful credit. Oh, yeah. Which is most relevant, perhaps, to this movie because it, it was around the same time. He was the writer of the Weekend at Bernie's films. Oh, I did miss that. I did not see that. I think predates this. That was the first one, which has made him, which, which explains why he was someone that someone thought was a good idea to give a TV movie to write and direct. It's just odd that, well, you're saying Gary Marshall wasn't involved, which may explain why Mark Rothman didn't do this or, or well, Gann. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a story about why none of the original team ended up doing it. Okay. So it aired on a Friday night at 9 PM on CBS. Uh, It did a 10.4 household rating, which means. Is that good? uh well i'm about to explain uh 14 million viewers it tied for number 48th of the week so it was a is a middling show um it tied with boy meets world for number 48 uh to give you context of what's better number one for the week was 60 minutes that had 20.5 household rating seinfeld was second at a 19.3 so it was a middle rating it was like a average you know i couldn't have helped that do you ever have you I assume in looking at this, you've seen the poster or the ad that ad that they ran, the visual, the graphic? Uh, I it, can't no, I can't say inexplicably it is. terrible looking. Like it would not make anyone want to see. <laughs> it's like an obviously photoshopped image of the two of them n- clearly not in the same room together and looking terrible. And I think we should maybe I'll I'll, I'll send it to you. Maybe we can put it on Facebook, but I just Fine, like it's it, it was not helping, but clearly the audience for this were the you know the fan base, right? It's like um, between you know Jack Klugman not having his full voice, um, this would have already by nineteen ninety three seemed like a really old fashioned thing to have on TV. So it opens with the old narration regarding November thirteenth, but a different narrator. We do see ten forty nine Park Avenue. In the ah. opening credits, but later when they really focus on where they live, it's 131 Riverside Drive, which goes now ties back to the movie, not to the TV series. And it has horrible 1990s fonts. <laughs> the f- music and the fonts in this are so 90s. It's it makes terrible. it much more dated than the 70s. Series. So <laughs> now we're going to play. It's true. Actually, that's a really interesting point. We're now going to play the opening of this uh, of the of the movie on november 13th felix unger was asked to remove himself from his place of residence that request came from his wife deep down he knew she was right but he also knew that someday he would return to her with nowhere else to go he appeared at the home of his friend oscar madison 
several years earlier, Madison's wife had thrown him out, requesting that he never return. Can two divorced men live together in the same apartment without driving each other crazy? Yes and no. For five wonderful, turbulent years they lived together, it was many things, but never dull. This, too, came to an end. Felix did return to his ex-wife, Gloria. They remarried. A day Oscar Madison declared to be the happiest of his life. How ironic, then, that the wedding of Felix's daughter was destined to bring them together once again. funny how we're getting through all of these different versions we've now heard many different versions of the theme song this is yes. definitely the worst uh <laughs> yeah and there's more I, to come yeah but i, I think mean, even yeah, yeah. i would say i'm gonna say right now yeah i agree it's worse. yeah everything 90s i don't i find the 90s looking that back saxophone now. is like all through this show so we open on a clip i'm sorry we open on the plaza hotel where felix is being felix and he's rehearsing everybody for gloria's for um Edna's wedding. He's telling everybody what emotion to have, how to act. There's some six-year-old girl there who calls him Uncle Felix. I couldn't figure. I watched that like five or six times. <laughs> really? Why is he? Why is she doing? Who is she? Let's see. Well, if she, if he's literally her uncle, then. Well, you were just uh, referring to a sister. Yeah, maybe they brought back the sister. But or, how is she? But six? Floyd from Buffalo is not there. I know, but she. Oh, you're oh, right. right. But she's really young. Maybe yeah. it's a great uncle and you just call him uncle. It's just weird. Or it's just a friend who he's the uncle. You know. Right. Friend. So, friend uh, we see a sign that said Unger wedding. Again, now we're seeing Unger with an E, even though the last iteration of the odd couple on TV was an A and the new odd, couple. new odd couple. Right. New odd couple. Yeah. Well, Tony Rand, it means Tony Randall will always be ER. That's right. <laughs> uh, Felix is a pain in the ass. He's kicked out of the plaza for being too difficult. Felix blames Oscar for missing rehearsal. And Murray tells Felix that Oscar is in the hospital. He wasn't supposed to tell Felix this, but he does. And that he has had throat surgery, obviously to accommodate the real throat issues with Jack Klugman. We find out that Oscar has a new sports casting job. And now we're at the hospital. And the doctor says that uh, that job will have to put on hold because his voice is too raspy. Uh, but we'll get better if he does vocal therapy. This doctor is... Yeah. 
Harvey Skolnick slash Harvey Miller. Yeah, the, a, a wonderful cameo. The uh, right, the original producer, writer, and actor who was Rubber Ducky, your yes. favorite, and uh, the Mater D from Gloria Hallelujah. Now here's Believe. an interesting question: Why yeah. wasn't Harvey Miller writing and exactly right? Who had so, already written and directed a few films himself, and in fact, not only that, but to use him in a role that is not at all funny. I like it's such it's a boring part. And I was so I was delighted to see him, but then disappointed that they couldn't give him something better to do. And they do have so there is a connection to the old odd couple besides the cast. Um, so yeah, I agree. Uh, Felix tells the doctor. By the he, way, to, yeah, uh, Ted. Yes. Do you, I don't know if you noticed this on if you watch this on YouTube, which it is. Um, for some reason, the guy in the bed where the do, uh, Felix is talking with Harvey Miller, Doctor Harvey Miller. Yeah, picture what I'm saying. There's a patient in the bed. Yes, Felix is also yes. kind of like getting nosy yes. about like treating. There's this like kind of heavy set, like funny looking guy in the bed who's like just his job is to just look really scared or sick or something. For some reason, his face is where is the thumbnail for this video of the Odd Couple reunion on YouTube. I don't, oh, do you that, have any idea like how that no. ends up settling on that image? Like, I do not know. It's really unfortunate because you'd think you'd want it to be of Oscar and Felix or something. And it's this random guy who has like two seconds of the silent uh, camera. Okay. Uh, Felix tells the doctor that he will get Oscar to do therapy. And now Felix does some old school doctoring like he used to do by looking at an, that this guy's chart in the hospital. Now we see Oscar, he's in bed in the hospital, eating pizza, wearing his baseball cap, reading the newspaper. There was something about that image that really made me sad. Just the fact that it's like a 70-year-old Oscar Madison in a hospital, looking old, wearing the same outfit, trying to recapture his youth. It just felt... Pathetic, honestly. So you, so you mean not just pathetic, like sad for what the create, what the people behind the show are doing, but you felt sad for Oscar the character. No, it was more for. <laughs> well, I, I felt I, Jack Lugman was. Yeah, it was more for. Was, yes, it was sad that that it was sad for the production yeah. that they're just showing us the same old Oscar wearing his same old stuff and just looking so old, and we know he's medically not well. And he and we're starting with the character in the hospital. It just the, the character felt pathetic. Jack Klugman, I felt, was a little pathetic, and then the production just felt a little depressing. Well, you know, I would go yeah, but I would go further too. I think I mean I must say, just hearing you describe it makes me realize like all the times in the original series that Oscar's gluttony and his careless disregard for his own health was a source of comedy. Uh, here, it's like not. I do not say like I'm. I'm saying like Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. You you have cancer and you're seven years old and you're eating pizza in the hospital, which and would probably not be allowed to happen. And you're uh, still wearing a backwards baseball right. cap. That, and that I actually that does make me feel more pity for the character. While Felix and Tony Randall, we know, always had this youthful. You know, he was always seemed to be in great health. Uh, doesn't feel that way to me. So so, uh, Felix does come in and at say, least they let Jack Lugman keep his hairpiece. Yes, that's important. Felix does an Oscar, Oscar, Oscar when he sees them eating pizza. Oscar has a bedpan, which is written on one side, get out. And then on another side, get out Felix written on it. Mm -hmm. Then 
Gloria kicks. So there's a whole scene, and I'm not going through everything. There's like a bunch of stuff in the hospital. Eventually, they he leaves. Oscar leaves. Gloria kicks Felix out of their house so that they can have the wedding at their house without Felix being around during the planning because he's so annoying. Uh, Felix, of course, goes to Oscar's house. This is the plot device to get yes. Felix and Oscar back together. We see a similar shot from the opening credits of Felix getting off the elevator with his luggage. Mm -hmm. We're now back to the season one slash movie set because we're no, there's no studio audience. The ape from the flashback episode is there. It was called, I think it was called Bruce, Bruce and the TC. Right, now it's called why, Stanley. Why change the name of the I don't ape? Know. Is I don't the know. ape, like they couldn't get the original ape and he's going to sue? Uh, so when Felix gets into Oscar's apartment we're, this, we're going to play one clip from the movie because it's there's no clips really worth playing but this is like the best i guess most odd couple like moment of the show so we'll play this here well it's nice stanley's back hello stanley you comfortable in this zoo i'm surprised the board of health hasn't closed this place say something oscar what are you doing here more important what are they doing here? What am I doing here? Yeah. When I hear a man crying out for help, I'm here to help. That you can tell to Stanley. Gloria threw me out. I can't come home until Edna's wedding. But you can't stay here. Why not? Because I'd kill you. No, you Yes, I would. You didn't kill me when I lived here with you. I couldn't figure out a way to do it without getting caught. You really hate me that much? Felix, I don't hate you. You're my best friend, and I want to protect that. It's like, like me and Blanche. We could have been the best of friends, but we got married and became the worst of couples. You're throwing me out on a night like this. Gloria did. The two people in the world who love me most hate me. Let it be on both your heads. You're right. I can't send you out like that. Yeah. Thanks, Oscar. <sighs> Hear that, Stanley? That's the famous honk supposed to soften me up, but not this time. He can honk until the cows come home. I'm gonna be like a rock. You hear me like a rock and look how I'm talking to a gorilla. Help me, will you? Oh. Come on, Ed. Can I have my whole room back? Yeah. Unless you'd rather have mine. No. So, uh, you know, it's tough to listen to Jack Klugman's voice. I mean, it's. I wonder what audiences at the time thought of it. And it's not that funny. No, well, that is, I must say, my main issue with the whole... <laughs> there are a lot of individual issues you can have with this show with this movie but my main issue is that it's not funny right i mean yeah i think but i i, and I try to think watching it like i could see the writer the script is not funny i could see the writer trying to create funny situations but there are no jokes and that's the main difference from gary marshall's imprint is and, that yep. you, there's really nothing to make you laugh you can kind of like appreciate this being a comical situation, but this guy is not a joke writer. I also, this goes back to my 
personal preference, but I, I don't think the odd couple anything, there's not one iteration of the odd couple that's not in front of a lot of the audience that I enjoy. Hmm. Don't like the original movie. Don't like You're the second doubling movie. down on season one. Don't like season one <laughs> and don't like this. So I think these, these, the combination, of, I think these jokes fall flat when there's nobody to laugh at them. Well, that's, that's now, true. and then even the new odd couple, which wasn't that funny, the audience laughing at it for whatever reason they did, it made it feel less flat. Right. And even in the, the later version of the odd couple we'll talk about next, I had the same reaction. Yeah. So, uh, you know, something else about this scene, I just wanted to, uh... oh yeah, I have a theory now about the Stan, why St Stanley, maybe in, since we don't have the original team, especially the writing team, they didn't know board, who would, would remember it was Bruce and well, without it streaming, we didn't have streaming. And you have, if you're going to catch it on reruns, you have to like watch a lot of reruns to make sure you got that episode. There's only two episodes, I think. And with the gorilla, I'm not sure. I, he may only be called Bruce in one of them. That's a great trivia question if anyone out there knows that. But uh, it's very possible. Like today, you could establish that pretty quickly. But it, the, this, this new writer doesn't care. And uh, no one else probably could remember. But how did he know there's an ape to begin with, though? Um. Well, if you, you could have a visual memory of the ape, but not remember mm -hmm. what its name is. I also, I have a theory that I'm, I'll elaborate on later that I think Randall and Klugman are contributing a lot of the, the authentic details from the original show. Well, they could have remembered it was Bruce yes. too. Well, you but think, they don't. but maybe they don't. <laughs> then we don't remember all the details. So Felix checks out Oscar's room. He goes through all the items that are in the room that he remembers. And the room feels less messy than the season two yeah, through season right. five weird, set. Felix's room has a bunk bed in it for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why that is. No sense because unlike the Neil Simon Odd Couple 2 sequel, they are not going, they're not resurrecting Oscar's son Bruce from the play. So Oscar has no children still. And who, well, who would these bunk beds be for? I don't know. Then Felix vacuums the rug late at night. Oscar spills popcorn on the floor on purpose and pretends to sleepwalk, which maybe is an homage to the sleepwalker episode. Felix mentions a girlfriend named Jeannie uh, Oscar, uh, uh, that Oscar has. Yeah. Oscar says she doesn't know about the surgery. Now we have a poker game with Murray, Speed, and Roy. Oscar won't come out, but Felix encourages them to, but tells the others not to address his voice. Then we have lots of silly voice puns. They let him win with a lot of Oscar wins gags that are similar to when yeah, they similar, had the right? Felix wins gags in the bowling episode. Oscar does not catch on, though, for a long time. And there's a long <laughs> musical montage of Oscar winning poker. Then he finds out they're letting him win and he gets angry and he clearly doesn't want to win by default. Next scene, Felix is out to lunch with Gloria and Edna eating outside. He asks a man nearby to stop smoking. He puts his cigarette in Felix's <laughs> water. Really weird scene. It's some kind of, you know, New Yorkers are rude riff. They had, they, they, I'm sure Tony Randall wanted to get in another Felix hate smoking thing. Uh, but this is over the top. And not funny. Uh, by the way, this was an exterior scene that I was looking at very carefully because they did a good job making it seem like an outdoor sidewalk cafe on Upper Broadway or something. But the more I looked at the exterior shots, except maybe, I mean, I, there are a couple, I know that there's a shot of, you can see the plaza, Felix, when he's running, 
jogging, whatever. And then maybe the Central Park stuff. Yeah, the Central Park is definitely real. But then I saw in the credits that they did in Vancouver or something. Like all the other exterior shots are like. Yeah, that that restaurant scene seems like a, a studio set or some other city. Fuel Excel brings home vocal exercises for Oscar on cassette tape. He invites Jeannie over. She is played by Peggy Crosby, who is Jack Klugman's real-life girlfriend. Yes, so. And then his wife. <laughs> but her dialogue is clearly dubbed over. She is. Oh, is it? Oh, it seems very dubbed yeah, over to me. I didn't she, she was also a bit player on Quincy. She encourages him to try the voice therapy, and he plays the tape. Then we have a scene of Felix teaching Oscar how to make vocal sounds, which is really hard to watch. Yeah. Given how classic the teaching scenes right. were in the show, this is really And there's sad. an example of like, sad. I think it clearly maybe Randall Klugman saw this as an opportunity to recreate one of those teaching scenes. But without real writers, I mean, even though they ad-libbed a lot of what made the teaching scenes work, it was always shaped by real writers to make sure there were laughs in it. And here there's no jokes. It's just no. him making funny noises. Yeah. Now we have a montage of New York City exercise scenes with Felix in great shape and Oscar out of breath all the time like they used to do. He hits on a blonde sitting on a bench, and now she seems way too young. It's really creepy now. <laughs> I mean, they, he, they used to happen in the past, but now it's like even in the past when Oscar was 50 and the person he was sitting on was like 25, it was weird. But now it's just weird, creepy. Then we have scenes of Oscar eating poorly, Oscar doing his vocal exercises, all played with horrible 90s jazz music playing over <laughs> Yeah, somehow the 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 uh, director of this thought, we need a lot of montages with bad Kenny G-style saxophone in the show. So we have a scene in the park, Central Park. Oscar kisses Felix on the forehead to thank him for helping him. A cop sees it and says, I understand, which addresses the whole gay issue yes. of the show. Then we have this really dumb scene where Oscar goes to the top of a staircase in Central Park and yells in happiness, which makes balloons burst, bikers topple over, and a horse buck. You recognize what they're uh, referencing. Is, is that oh, Rocky? Yes. Right. Yeah. It's meant to be like the Rocky montage. Felix then uses Oscar to record a commercial narration because Felix is a commercial still in, I guess, in advertising or not still, but is in advertising. And there's a long audition scene where Oscar's competing long, with two other people. Yeah, totally long. <laughs> and it turns out Oscar is playing the voice of a toilet, toilet bowl. But he doesn't know that. Humiliates him, right. Yeah. And we do get a big bucks buddy from Felix here. Right. He says now, it's going to be big, big bucks. Now we're at the office of the New York Examiner, which is a newspaper that Oscar left the to Herald. go to sports casting, right? Felix tries to get him a job. Felix tries to get his job back there. And he's talking to the editor played by Bruce Kirby, noted character actor, who's best known for uh, playing a cop on Columbo in many episodes and the father of Bruno Kirby. We have a street scene on 45th Street. We see the old Charlie O's and Sardis. Right. Felix brings Oscar back to the offices to get his old job back. But the job now is to be an advice columnist. So we got him a job, but it's to be an advice columnist. Like a Dear Abby. Kind of. And the person who brings him his mail to answer for the advice columnist is Myrna. We get a Julius LaRosa reference here, which we yeah, discussed. Uh, she mentions her sister, Verna. She mentions Sheldon. Yeah. So at least there's some connection to the yeah. old show does did she implying 
they have this whole like they go on about like did he stray like but he's still she strays, says right? she says Sheldon's good but he still strays whatever that means and well, why is she back at this office she quit the office now she's back she came back to the- I forget I think uh maybe Felix reaches out to her because he knows that Oscar needs help or something no I don't think any of that's explained I think she just shows up I don't know they have some excuse they do I don't remember that maybe <laughs> I maybe I didn't hear it he tells her that he doesn't want to do this, but she encourages him. They go through some letters and read some letters, and nothing really funny happens here. Now we're at yeah, the joke is supposed to be that Oscar is uh, it's always been a joke about always been a, a, a mythology about the Dear Abbeys or the Ann Landers that it's really could be just some old man. Like you like it's a fictional character and who is the real person behind it. So here the joke is that it's Oscar is the least qualified person to the least likely person to be Dear Abby, and he has to come up to pretend to write like that. Now we and have- In fact, he doesn't care about these people's problems in the letters. And their problems are not funny. Yeah. I mean, they, they try to make, they have him read letters that I guess are supposed to be funny, but they're not. Right. Gloria Edna, her fiance, Bill, at least in this thing, Edna's not marrying Oscar's yes. son. <laughs> Gloria Edner and her fiance Bill are coming over to Oscar's apartment to have dinner with Felix. Turns out the father-in-law Gil is just like Felix. He even honks due to nasal pressure. He likes the same wine. He drinks the wine the same way. It's kind of a cute scene, actually. Yeah, who, he's good, that actor. He's played by a guy named Jim Haney, who really doesn't have many other credits that I could find. It makes Felix very excited about Bill, but until he finds out that Bill has been married twice before. And Felix flips out at this for some reason, and the night ends poorly. Then Felix and Oscar go to visit the ex-wives of this guy. Uh, they get out of a cab to visit one of them. Felix says it's a terrible neighborhood, but it's the same area where the examiner it's, it's was. Midtown. <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous. They meet her. She's a fashion, fashion photographer, photographer with an inserted pointless five-minute fashion montage, it seems like. And he, and he sa- she says he's all right. But she forgets which husband of hers that they're talking about because she has multiple husbands. It's such a useless scene. Useless. Then Murder's back, has more mail for Oscar to answer. Edna comes to see Oscar. She's crying because Bill is talking about calling off the wedding because Felix is so embarrassing. Oscar meets Felix for lunch. Felix says he's going to meet wife number two. Then Oscar pretends to read a, a letter from one of his readers. But it's obviously a phony letter that's set up to describe Edna's and Felix's story. Very reminiscent of the Paul Williams uh, right. episode. So Felix figures out what Oscar's doing. And next scene, there's an angry man who confronts Edna <laughs> about the advice column in the office, and she gives him a wedgie. Wedgie. Okay, now that was the one. That was the point where I really just groaned. I just could not... Let I could not help this groan coming from like, oh my god, why is Penny Marshall even doing this? Like this is this Oh, is it's I said I wrote Edna. It's 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 Myrna. Oh, it's Myrna, right. Sorry, I wrote Edna. Next scene, Angry Man confronts Myrna about the advice column right. in the office, and Myrna gives him a wedgie. <laughs> I wrote down Edna by accident. And that seems to be like this guy, this weekend at Bernie guy, like that's his sense of humor. Like, and it's so wrong for the odd couple. Oscar says that Myrna should be the advice columnist. Now we have the morning of the wedding. Felix wakes up. Oscar says he has been barred from the wedding because he went to see the second wife. The wedding starts. Oscar's there. Felix shows up. Oscar interrupts the wedding. 
references the first baby episode where he saw Myrna being uh, Edna being born. He makes a speech about how Felix should walk her down the aisle. She sees him and he walks her down the aisle. After the wedding, Oscar and Felix dance. He thanks him for this. Felix thanks Oscar for the speech. Jeannie catches the bouquet. Oscar wants to be the toilet, but it's too late. Felix said because they gave it to somebody else, or I guess Oscar gave it up and they gave it to somebody else. Felix says he can be the voice of a frying machine. Is that funny? No. (laughs) Now, I wrote down, it's not as horrible as I remember, but certainly no real laughs. It's nice to see them and Myrna and Speed, but nothing about it is entertaining. I think you wrote this like several weeks ago. I did, yes. And now you might agree that actually it is, <laughs> it's worse than you remembered. I think, I think the reason I thought it wasn't as horrible is that there's some, there's enough nuggets of references to the original show that it feels like there's some respect in it a little bit. Here's the variety review. Though the spirit of the old series certainly wasn't betrayed, the script by Kane is careful and at times stiff. However, cameos by heavies like Penny Marshall resurrecting the character of Murr come to the rescue just when the air seems depleted. The odd couple is often mediocre as it wanders through a two-hour slot, but the visit is a walk down memory lane and Klugman's performance should give others in his shoes inspiration and encouragement. I, I obviously paraphrased. I mean, that's, yes. that's the gist of the review. Right. Do you have anything you want to say about it? So, well, that's a perfect segue to what uh, I've been researching about uh, what went into this show and how plans for the show changed uh, at this time leading up in the early 90s as this was being developed, uh, uh, it, it kind of uh, shifted gears. The project changed mainly in response to Klugman's real life surgery. Uh, and I've tried to think about the timeline of this, and it's interesting that um, he Klugman uh, was diagnosed with this in his own book, he says, in 1989. Uh, by the way, Klugman does not mention this movie at all <laughs> in that book, which is about Tony and me, their friendship over the odd couple. He spends a lot more time talking about, because what happened in the timeline was that he had the operation in 1989, and then, and Tony Randall really did come to him in the hospital, very much like the way it happens in this movie, um, and tried to get him back on his feet to work again, and got him to do the play. First, got before this movie, this, they did the play for Randall's National Actors Theater, the, right. the big benefit performance that we talked about with uh, Lee uh, the other few episodes ago. And that was first. That was ran a Klugman's true uh, comeback. This, and it turns out this was already in development, this reunion show. And the reason I know that is because the, uh, the book 25th Anniversary Odd Couple Companion by Edward Gross happens to, that book has a epilogue or a, a, you know, a chapter at the end previewing the reunion show because it was already in development. And so Edward Gross already knew that and was promoting it, saying a complete, uh, you know, like also uh, exciting preview of the new Odd Couple movie, but it hadn't happened yet. And he says, Gross is saying that um, 
NBC has announced production of The Odd Couple One More Time, different title, the two-hour movie for television starring Randall and Klugman and produced by Howard Koch, who also produced the film version, is scheduled to air sometime in early 1990, coinciding with the play's 25th anniversary. So it seems like to have been a, pro a property developed by Howard Koch, or Koch uh, who was behind the original movie. So there's a there's a tie back to the original Neil Simon. Maybe it would be the 25th anniversary of the play. And he mentions with a story written by Gary Marshall. That's how NBC announced, and this is NBC, right? Who did not end up doing it. Uh, yeah. So the initial announcement came in 1990 that NBC was gonna do The Odd Couple One More Time written by Gary Marshall. And what we end up with is 1993, The Odd Couple Together Again written by some other guy. So how did that happen? Well, it turns out, that in um, the big Odd Couple stage and screen book by the book we've been crediting to Bob Lesac, who whose name actually I think is now pronounced Lejack or something, because I finally listened to the Gilbert Gottfried Odd Couple tribute show, and he's on it. He's a guest on that. So apparently we've been saying his name wrong. Anyway, he does a lot of oral history of the you know of the show with writers. And one of the writer, one of the original series writers, Carl. Kleinschmidt, who was a regular writer on the old show, he, in his interview, he says that uh, he did submit a script to the Odd Couple TV reunion movie, but Kleinschmidt recalled Klugman didn't want to do it. He just had a battle with throat cancer and wanted the story to be about that. Since I didn't see throat cancer as particularly amusing as a subject, I withdrew from the project as and did NBC, which originally backed the project and eventually made its way to CBS with a cancer script, and as I remember, was not a laugh riot. So I was kind of unsure whether that was true when I read that, but then when I looked at the Edward Gross book, he quotes Gary Marshall extensively on his plans for this. So my theory is that Gary Marshall had been uh, you know, brought on board to oversee the writing, but he, Marshall himself, might have brought on other writers from the show to actually do the work, you know, which, which is typical Gary Marshall. He, he only wrote, he only is credited with a few scripts himself. He kind of, he liked to work with these other writers and kind of oversee it. So I bet that Kleinschmidt is one of the writers he brought in to do a, a draft, at least of this, what it would be. Now here is an indication of what the original draft was, okay? Because Gross interviewed Gary Marshall in 1990, while this was still possibly a thing. So Gar Marshall says, I thought the movie should pick up where we left off. When we ended the series, Felix got remarried and went away. The story is basically the reunion of the card, reunion of the card players, as Oscar makes his last alimony payment and is celebrating. Of course, Felix is late, just like in the play, and everyone's wondering what happened to him. He finally arrives and wants to kill himself because he's at a fight, big fight with Edna, who's getting married. That's funnier. That Throat cancer yeah. is not funny, but suicide is. <laughs> Good point. Well, that's comes again. That's the original play, right? Um, he had a big fight with Edna, who's getting married, and with Gloria, who told him to move out. And we go right back to where we started. He's driving everybody crazy over the wedding. He tells Oscar that he wants to move in just until the wedding, which is when Gloria said he could come back home. And, it, and so they kept that part. It goes from there. It's kind of funny because Oscar has a new new roommate, Mr. Pink, 
who's a quiet man that never bothers him. It's his perfect dream of a roommate who drives a cab in Central Park. Felix is very upset that his room has been changed and he ends up sleeping on the couch. We've also got it worked out that Oscar's got to cover a big story. So they go to Europe, then to England, and there's a segment that deals with the New York Marathon. Now, uh, uh, Gross says, Marshall considers how the intervening 15 years may have changed Felix and Oscar. Quote, I think Felix is the same. Oscar is much happier. He's got his life in order. He got rid of Felix and he got rid of his wife. As the movie starts out, his life is perfect. So in comes Felix again. It's a shame in a way because Oscar's really got it together. He's mellower and he's peaceful. If Felix would leave him alone, he'd be fine. But we never lose sight of the friendship. Felix is flying around the room and Oscar helps bring him down to earth. And without Felix, Oscar is dull. So they need each other very much. Will this film serve as a prelude to a new series? He goes back to glory at the end, Marshall says, but it's all it takes is for glory to throw him out again for them to do another sequel. I think this would have been just as bad. Well, especially, well, consider this. See, here's again what ha- he doesn't know. He doesn't mention anything about Jack Klugman. And it's almost as if they don't know at this stage what Klugman's situation is. And I do have to say, as, as much as it seems like a bad idea to make the show about throat cancer, it's like, how are you going to explain Jack Klugman talking like this? Like, it has to be written in somehow to the show. I'm saying even if Jack Klugman did not have throat cancer and they did the story you yes. just described, yes. I, I bet it wouldn't be funny. Well, then theoretically, yes. Uh, hypothetically, I, I, you're probably right. But so, but it seems like there was just a bunch of bad options then, right? Because then this seems to be plan A, and all of a sudden Jack Klugman gets throat cancer, loses his voice. But what's also happening is Klugman is, in his book, at the same time, becoming a spokesman for the American Cancer Society. That, that when they because he does, he does an interview in his, in his book, he says that I had to go on TV to show I wasn't dead. And he did dream of working again one day. So he gave an interview on TV about his experience. He was contacted by American Cancer Society to be a kind of ambassador spokesman to give people hope, you know, cancer survivors. And he took that he ended up taking that role very seriously. And that's what Kleinschmidt is referring to that Klugman apparently insist started insisting that this be about the show at the reunion movie should be about Oscar surviving cancer. And which I imagine Klugman thought would be, he has to give an excuse why he sounds like this. He didn't want to just make it look like he's sick, but he also started to believe he wanted to, he thought this would be a good thing. You know, this was like his mission in life now was to promote the American Cancer Society. And that's when probably Gary Marshall lost interest and these writers. And so they bring in the Weekend at Bernie's guy. Now, it also it's possible that you know this guy's credit is Weekend at Bernie's and Where's Papa? Do you remember Where's Papa? You ever seen it? It's, I know the title. I've never seen it. It's a class. It's like much earlier. I didn't realize this guy was that old. It's a it's a real dark comedy from late sixties, early seventies. Kind of like a. I always confuse it with Harold and Maude, maybe because anyway, uh, I guess I think Ruth Gordon is in both of them. Um, I'm not a fan of hers. Anyway. Sorry, except for so, it's one of those baby. dark early seventies comedies like uh, uh, Harold and Maude, Little Murders, Mash. Yeah, right, right. So maybe they thought, okay, well, if anyone can make cancer funny, maybe the, the Weekend and Bernies make death funny. So maybe Corpse is funny. So maybe we should get that. Maybe that was the thinking. I don't know. But I also think that 
it shows how Klugman is driving the story himself. And that's why we get so much in the show about Oscar's recovery that he really wants to show how he himself, Jack Klugman, recovered. Like, I think the voice scene where, sorry, the vocal exercise scene, right, with the tape that you mentioned, yeah. I think that must, I bet that's the same tape he used. And uh, Klugman also says that Tony Randall came to him in the hospital and said, don't worry, Jack, your voice never sounded like Richard Burton's anyway. And they use that line in this movie, remember? Yes. And and Klugman also says, I started, I felt like Rocky in the movie Rocky, like working out every day because I was working out my voice. And that's where you get this Rocky montage. So I really get the, I got the feeling the more I thought about that, Randall and Klugman sat with this writer and tried and like pitched him ideas and told him how they think the story should be. And he picked up a lot on a lot of that. So for better or worse, yes, we got a movie about Oscar's cancer, uh, which was not a popular idea with uh, Gary Marshall and the old writers. But I don't know what they were going to do, frankly. In this, well, a sitcom should not have two-hour movies. Family Ties is a good example of that. Oh, good point. So I mean, it's okay to bring back. You know, Ironside came back. Streets of San Francisco, Cannon, all those the '70s characters. Kojak came back in two-hour movies. Right. Two, sitcoms. Probably is there any not. record of a sitcom reunion show that that was, worked a movie? Was a pop I that mean, was successful or popular? Well, like Roseanne came back as a new Roseanne, but that was a <laughs> comedy. It's a comedy. Well, her problem, but the show now is five years on is still very good as as the Connors. Um, but as a movie, I can't think of a comedy. I mean, there haven't been that many situation comedies that have come back as movies, but um, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head that's been maybe some have been successful like i think the family ties vacation was successful at the time yeah. but good no all right let's move on to the let's 2000s okay so in 2000s the odd couples comes back um yeah from oh i didn't even write down so 2015 2015 oh yeah it started mid-season 14 15 then lasted the 15 16 season and the 16 17 season 38 episodes um, and the the history that I could find is that Matthew Perry, who plays Oscar, was a fan of The Odd Couple, particularly the film version. And um, that served as the main source of inspiration for the series. He'd been pitching the idea of the network since the late 2000s. He thought the show would go on in 2010. They paused. He went to another production company. He did another show and then started concentrating on this again, and it got picked up. So that's interesting that Matt Perry basically created this as a vehicle. No one calls him. Don't call him that. Matthew <laughs> Perry. Matt. No, right. he's not Matt Perry. Why do I keep calling him Matt Perry? I mean, unless you know him really well, first, then don't call him Matt Perry. Isn't he called that in the media or no? Okay. No, Matthew Perry. Okay, Mr. Perry. Uh, has, uh, you, after Friends, right? He's in the situation where he's he's an ex-star of, a, of, an, of a, a no longer existing show and has to find new... Uh, projects and I had no idea when I started watching this that he was the driving force behind creating this for himself as a vehicle which is interesting yes so in this show Felix uh, who's played by Thomas Lennon is still a freelance photographer but his ex-wife's name now is Ashley for some reason mm. 
So we have the uh, third. She's had three names now. Felix's ex-wife, Francis, Gloria, and Ashley. And Francis was the play and the movie. The play and the movie and new odd couple. Oh right. Okay. Um, hold on. I just want to. I can't remember why people should know Thomas Lennon because I know well, the face. Well, while you're yeah, I I have to say right off the bat that for me the highlight of this show, which I have very mixed feelings about is discovering Thomas Lennon, who I did not know before. And I do think he's great in the show. And I looking, he's someone who I never knew of before, but he's been doing a lot. He started out with The State, which yeah, I don't think yes. I watched originally, but I remember hearing about The State. And then Reno 911 is where he kind of oh, right. became Yeah, I never watched that well either. Did you watch that? Uh, no, I didn't watch the state either. I knew of him, but I, I, and my, and we worked on View Variety, which my wife worked on as a, as a, uh, when in one of her early TV jobs, she worked on View Variety. So she's a big fan of his. And, um, and then he, he also wrote the Night at the Museum movies or co-wrote. He's a, as a screenwriter. So uh, yeah, he's very well regarded, very well known in the comedy field, just for whatever reason, I guess for you and I, he's never really become a, 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 a something, a part of something we've watched. Uh, Vet Nicole Brown plays Danny, Oscar's assistant, which is kind of the Myrna. Myrna. Right. Wendell Pierce, who's a very recognizable actor, plays Oscar's agent. Because in this show, Oscar is a uh, is a sportscaster. Like, sportscaster, not yes. sportswriter, right? Right. With a kind of podcast that he does out of his a satellite radio, actually. Yeah. Uh, and he so she plays Oscar's agent, Teddy. Dave Foley from News Radio um, and Kids in the Hall. And Kids in the Hall is Roy. Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls and Parenthood is Oscar's ex-wife, Gabby, not Blanche. Uh, Christine Woods, who's a recognizable character actress, plays uh, Ashley. Lindsay Sloan, who's uh, in a lot of TV shows, plays a Miriam type named Emily, who becomes a love interest for Felix. It's kind of like they start off as she has a sister who disappears after the first season, I think. But originally, she lives in the building with her sister, and I thought they were going to do the Pigeon Sisters. And then the sister disappears, <laughs> and it's just Emily. So she's very much a Miriam, right? Gary Marshall plays Oscar's father, which becomes significant later on. And um, Terry Hatcher from Lois and Clark and Desperate Housewives is Charlotte, who is a love interest for Oscar later on. Uh, Oscar's a radio show host, a sportscaster. Uh, the pilot addresses the fact that Felix is not gay. I guess a they, lot. They try to get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wendell Pierce, the Teddy character, is there to give Oscar uh, kind of a sloppy buddy, um, but he's not. There's no Murray in the show. Well, I would argue. I mean, if we can pause for a sec, just talk about. I was interested in what they were doing with the poker player. So, there they do find have an equivalent of the poker players. In the first episode, they reference them as poker players but then they never play poker apparently uh so they give up on calling them poker players but they refer to a those guys having a poker game so that's so and as we see we have a roy that dave foley plays but just like the roy in the original series he's gone after season one they got rid of dave foley um and we have a now teddy is like a substitute for someone maybe speed in a way like Speed, and Murray, I think, too. Maybe a combination of Speed and Murray, who can be a best friend as well. But the one I think ends up being the Murray, maybe not originally, is this guy Murphy or Murph. I forget the actor's name. The oh, yeah, ball player. Yeah. He ends up, he, he does not introduce until the second or third episode. 
but he becomes he's not a poker player but he becomes the murray why? because he's the dumb friend <laughs> he has all the dumb he's the the dumb jokes are made at his expense and except that unlike murray he's like this really hot stud who women can't get their hands off of so he's meant to be like a dumb jock but there's no i think instead of murray the cop they have this guy who is the, the dumb one so let's play the opening the, the speaking of the theme here's a here's another version of the theme this is you know this is now the 2000s so themes are much shorter so this is only 20 seconds it's kind of a cute i like it yeah and yeah. you know we also remarked how the new odd couple theme was also a successful funky update of the tune in 1982 so i think both of these work well did you notice by the way what they're doing in the animation of the opening credits yeah is the there an, ele an elevator or something right happening? you know it's a it's a madman ripoff oh it's, it, it's i think it must be very deliberate because they're kind of evoking this 1960s cultural history and it's like it's very cleverly done but it's clearly inspired by the madman opening credits where um, Don, the Don Draper figure is kind of like instead of going up an elevator, it's like falling out the window. They have Felix like arriving and going up the elevator, but they're they're kind of I don't know what you call that style of animation or drawing, but not stenciled, but they're kind of like these figures without they're like stick figures in a way. In, figures, in, huh? Figures, figures. No figures, figures. <laughs> You're saying <laughs> it I weird. Saying? You're saying figures. It's what figures. 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 I see. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Stoltz is the guy who played Murph. Uh, he was only on 15 episodes, or he was on 15 episodes. I don't know if that's an only to you, but. No, 15... no, it's not because he takes over as a. I think I watched more than you did. You no, know. no, he's on 15 episodes, is what I'm saying. 15 oh, out of 38. Of, oh, that's okay. They yeah. did 38. Wow. Yep. Um, so I only took, we only got one. I only took one clip of the show overall this is like your general cbs there's all been a lot of cbs sitcoms over the years that have come and gone that just all seem like the kind of the same show i would put this in that category i don't think there's anything special about this show at all there's nothing the fact that it's odd couple i think is meaningless it just could be any show um here's one clip of the show just to it's the most odd couple-y thing i could find i did not watch i don't i watched a handful of episodes because i just didn't feel like there's a reason to watch more than a handful. So here's a clip. This is from an early episode. <laughs> Best sandwich in the history of the world. <laughs> I wish I hadn't eaten the whole thing, though. Ooh, really feeling it. Teddy, if I were you, I'd think twice before finishing. You're not getting the rest of my sandwich. <laughs> Oscar. About eating on the sofa, you're getting crumbs everywhere. Hey, while you're at it, take a lap on my shirt. My wife thinks I'm off carbs. <laughs> Nail cam, we both got these. Ooh, looks like a wedding invitation. 
apparently the theme is clutter. <laughs> There's another one. He's got him stashed all over the apartment like an alcoholic. I found one in the bookcase behind my vodka. Oh, look. Steffi Beach is getting married again. Who's Steffi Beach? Uh. Part of our old college crowd, which means Ashley will be there. Your ex? Sounds awkward. Is it? Or is it the perfect opportunity to show her that I've changed? I'm sticking with awkward. Felix, in what way have you changed? Oh, well, as you know, Ashley's biggest complaint about me is that I was a compulsive, critical fuss budget, which I pointed out to her was actually three different complaints. <laughs> but after a month under your sloppy tutelage, old fussy Felix has been upgraded to Felix 2.0. <laughs> Lots more fun, same great posture. And then what? She's going to suddenly call off the divorce? Well, no, but maybe she'll go back to couples counseling with me. Especially when my bro, Oscar, tells her how much I've changed. Felix 2.0 says bro. So I get to put on a suit and talk about how great you are? I was hoping to avoid that until your funeral. Fine. Stay home. I'll say hi to, pause for effect, Olivia. Olivia? She's the bride's sister. You know she's going to be there. Plus, I heard she's recently divorced, too. Who's Olivia? This really hot woman I lusted after all through college. We almost hooked up at a party, but then the paramedics came because someone discovered he had an allergic reaction to the wheat in beer. How many times do I have to apologize? <laughs> this is my chance to make things right. It'll be like when time travelers go back to Lincoln's assassination and, you know, sleep with a really hot woman. Well, you're both free. I mean, who knows what could happen? Yeah, he's right. There's something about weddings. Oh, Diane wouldn't look at me twice until we ran into each other at a wedding. A little drinking, a little dancing. Flash forward to our silver anniversary coming up on the 12th. Isn't today the 12th? Oh, crap. <laughs> Floris, downstairs, closes in 10. Oscar, today's not the 12th. I know. Oscar, you liar, open up. I want my damn sandwich. Sorry, can't hear you. Not a toy. <laughs> you know, it's just they're trying to update the show for the right. modern audiences. It's just there's not a laugh in there. And there's a terrible laugh track, I guess. Yeah. It's a laugh track. Yeah. I think you're right. It is it it kind of feels like a generic modern day sitcom. Very I mean, clearly influenced trying to emulate friends, right? Oh, obviously there has to be that some be of that. Appeal, I, mean, I agree that Murph, the few scenes I saw with Murph were funny. There was some bit with him and uh, what's her name? Emily that were that right. was amusing, but it just, and Weldon Pierce is always good, but there's just nothing in here to enjoy really. Uh, I th Yeah, I have a lot of, you know, I, I tried to, I, I felt what you were feeling for the first three episodes or so. And I just, I was going to call you and said, how much of this do I have to watch? And, but I, I, you know, since we took a break, I had time and it is on Paramount plus, we should say, if people are interested in catching up, um, I kept watching and actually this episode that you just played the clip of, about they go to this wedding. That was the first one. It's like midway through season one. That, that's, I think that was the, one of the good ones I saw first good ones I saw. And I would recommend someone wants to jump in and see what it could be at a, a it's best. I think this is a good episode. Um, it also, it, it, they, 
if every episode if for the fans of the old show you'll see an attempt to re re engineer certain plot lines yes i have that great uh the odd decathlon was re-engineered yeah, in Hunger games ides of april was re-engineered in the audit and gloria hallelujah was re-engineered in the x factor right there may be more and, but those are three i found and this one is uh just the element of felix trying to prove to the his ex that he's changed is evokes the the setup of felix gets remarried about the finale of the old show when, with the goop melange and all that there's a little of that kind of plot line going on um but overall i think yeah it's almost like if they weren't named oscar and felix you would barely get the connection there really is no connection there's not yeah it does I not mean, at all feel like a continuation it, of even the, the sloppiness and mess the neatness right. and sloppiness stuff is not really a driving part of much of anything it just yeah. evaporates eventually it's kind of like you know yeah thomas lennon's felix is just incredibly nerdy and that's what he's funny at he's doing this like very it's almost like his own i give him credit he's created his own felix character but it's like he's a nerd he's into game of thrones and you know exotic cuisines it's and, a bit of big bang theory i think uh-huh yeah that's yeah. really you're right it is a lot of that it's also it's deliberately very raunchy it's like that's one way it's trying to update the thing like in, in the spirit of friends and big bang theory they are just much more openly sexual including more gay jokes you know just to keep hammering that that one joke idea uh to be able to you know say he's not gay um but so it's a raunchy show it's trying to appeal to a younger audience uh that's very clear they're younger than the than Randall and Klugman clearly they are trying I think it is trying to appeal to a younger uh I will also say the set the apartment this is the most egregious apartment set of any of the ones we've seen for like they can't afford this did you get I, a sense well, no, of, I, I, this apartment <laughs> I would assume as a in his job he can't afford it Oscar's well, he's job. not like on ESPN he's I don't know. I mean, I got the sense he was a big deal in the community. I guess they're trying to make it seem like that. But they're in like this huge law. It's like a huge terrace with a view of the Chrysler building. They're clearly like in Chelsea or in the. Oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, I, I, no, I didn't pick up on something. that. Like that. It's enormous. And it's like prime real estate. And I. Okay. And that's that's like the friends factor. It's like stop showing New Yorkers living in these ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Well, the friends had a bigger problem. So there's so, two famous or infamous episodes. Um, first one which i'm going to read directly from the wikipedia entry uh the third episode of the second season from here to maturity was criticized by many bosniak communities in europe and north america in the episode felix asked emily on a date by saying let's go visit that new serbian restaurant the taste of serbenica the line seemed to reference the 1995 serbenica massacre which 8,000 young bosniak men and boys were systematically rounded up and killed by the bosnian serb army in an open letter, Eldon Elzovic, president of the Congress of North American Bosniak, stated that the Congress felt very disturbed and disappointed by the joke. He further said the show's line was analogous to saying something as horrendous as let's go visit that new German restaurant, The Taste of Auschwitz. Almer Sekinovic of Factor said the joke was the most primitive way to insult Serbenica victims. Branka Antic Stauber, who runs a non-governmental organization that works with Bosniak women who were raped during the war, called the joke inhumane 
and the Ontario-based research organization, the Institute of Research of Genocide Canada, called the joke a terrible humiliation of the victims of Serbanica. Yeah, I, you know, I did. That's one episode I didn't watch, but I did read that, and it just strikes me as one of those examples of comedy writers coming up with some what they think is a pop culture, a, a common cultural reference, but not getting the context. Like, yes, the the if you remember that war, the the town of Srebrenica is one of the things that stands out, but they forgot the reason why it stands out. And they forgot that the Serbians were the aggressors in that war, that uh, you wouldn't want to go to a Serbian restaurant for that reason. And yeah, who knew this show would get all... <laughs> Um, you know, gets in so much trouble. Uh, the show's exec producer, Bob Daly, said, we were unaware of any connection to the terrible tragedy in Srebrenica. We would never intentionally disrespect or make light of such an event and seriously, seriously apologize to anyone we offended. Then the other episode, which is a little, still on a sad note, but at least a little less, well, it has a happier ending, is uh, after Gary Marshall died, because he was playing... Well, let's, can we just pause for a second to explain yes. Gary Marshall's role? I mean, first of all, he as was a, credited yeah. as an executive consultant or something, creative consultant. He lent his name to it, but he clearly, I don't think he was very involved. He was already like 80 or so by the time this show launched, but they wanted his blessing, basically. Um, but they, they had this wonderful idea to bring him on the show because Gary Marshall's a very funny comic actor throughout his career, as we saw in many cameos on The Odd Couple itself, uh, but also in movies like one of my favorite uh, performances of his is in uh, Lost in America. Lost in America. Yes. Albert Brooks. Uh, with Albert Brooks, one time Odd Couple <laughs> guest star. Um, and so it was very moving to have him come on as uh, that one episode in season two as Oscar's father, who, you know what they, you remember what they called his, they named him Walter. Clearly, after Walter Matthau, I think. Oh, okay. I didn't pick up on that. And that episode is, uh, I did watch that episode, and he is, I mean, he was, he died like just a few months after it aired. Uh, so he was already in his early 80s. He looks it, he does not look great in that episode, but he is, his performance is very good. He's, he has enough strength to, to be, and he's really funny in it. And they give him some good lines and some good bits. So that, that is an episode I recommend watching. So then after he dies, they do an episode called Taffy Days where Oscar's father dies in the show and he goes around and he meets different people in his father's life who are all played by cameo in, by, in cameo yeah. by people from various Gary Marshall shows. So Ron Howard's in it, Marion Ross, Cindy Williams, Pam Dauber, Anson Williams, Donnie Most, and Penny Marshall. And finally, Penny Marshall, which is... Yes. Like she's in it because of her connection to Gary, but it's like they don't even try to make a Myrna reference at all, which was, I thought was a missed yeah. opportunity. She also does not look too great in this and was not, did not live much longer, but she is funny in the little bit that she does. That's a, that is a, le I mean, it's certainly it's noteworthy if you're a fan. I mean, I didn't, I didn't recognize Pam Dauber, <laughs> but, um, I kind of recognize everyone else, I think. Interesting why Henry Winkler was not involved, uh, who is very, very around, very much around uh, these days. Was he in a Gary Marshall show? <laughs> yes, I believe he he had a character. Named okay, I, I don't know. Um, so it's an, it was a nice gesture, but it's, 
it's like they they have to create this weird story where his where Oscar's father was in the candy business and he and Penny Marshall's character had a falling out and why couldn't they just be brother and sister like I, I don't know they just make it needlessly complicated and we don't know where they're even they have to go on a road trip to visit these people we don't know where they're going it's and it involves ashes it gets like into this kind of gross out humor with the ashes and all that it is fun to see these people the worst part of it is the fake audience applause that's right. dug in every time someone turns around <laughs> in their seat right which is especially funny because it's not there's a couple where you like especially uh uh ralph and mouth donnie most <laughs> well ralph mouth and the other you know, donnie most donnie most right yeah uh they are recognizable and marion ross is recognized i think they're all recognizable okay well it depends on how attached you are to those shows but yeah, I agree. Like the the the, the forced applause is is noticeable. Yeah, it's not a great episode. It's just a it's just an interesting television. The fact that it exists, yeah, one television show so celebrating multiple other shows, and, and it's weird. It's like it's not even celebrating the odd couples. It's celebrating the Gary Marshall. Yes, the Gary Marshall universe. Yeah. yeah. Um. That's all I have to say. You know, the last thing I'll say about the show yeah. is that I think it's one of its low moments. <laughs> is that. Um, they did have other guest stars on the show, uh, and one of its they did and one of the other episodes they copied was the Subway Show, where Oscar instead Oscar goes with his new secretary, the Myrna character on the subway and encounters a typical New York subway nightmare, <laughs> and it features a part of the one of the last another like last performance from a dying actor one of the last TV appearances of Regis Philbin oh. at the Flasher on the subway oh, he's not playing himself no he's playing oh. it and he seems to be enjoying it but I, I i hope he enjoyed it but it's so demeaning it's so humiliating yeah this is not a good show i mean it's it's not a good odd couple show and it's just not a great show so finally we're going to wind up with um so we end on So our final odd couple spinoff that we're going to address, but I don't really have much to say about it, is the Oddball Couple, which was a ran for 16 episodes in the fall of 1975. It was a Saturday morning cartoon. Um, it has a really loose association to the Odd Couple. There's a dog named Fleabag, who's the Oscar character, obviously, and a cat named Spissy, Spiffy. They live together. It's a Felix character. Half of their house is a mansion. Half is a slum, half of the car that they drive is new, and half is junk. <laughs> Weird. And they get into some sort of antics. I, I honestly could not. There's some episodes on YouTube, and I just I couldn't yeah, sit there's, through it. Now, apparently, it has been released on DVD for those brave enough to, or just devoted enough that really want to see it. Um, so, but we did watch the, I found four episodes on YouTube, and then two more on um another site that i vimeo not vimeo no an animation uh, uh, kind of a uh i can post the links on the facebook menu um so i was able to watch and each episode we should say has two mini episodes yes it's 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 shorts they're short shorts, episodes right. that are so there are together. a total of i think there's 32 six, stories there are 32 shorts for the whole run and yeah. six of them are available to watch online um this is definitely more so than even what we were just saying with the last show. This this has no connection. Like this, other than the sloppy, neat thing, 
there is just no uh, extension of the odd couple yeah. story. It's, it's just a silly kids cartoon just, that yeah. happens to have a neat and a sloppy right. protagonist. And this is very, I mean, what's interesting historically about this it seems like Paramount right after the original series ends in spring of 75 says, well, we still, what, and that was contested whether there were some accounts say that Paramount would have gone for another a season six if Gary Marshall was up for it, but it was really Marshall and Klugman that wanted to end it. And so they wanted to hold on to this property. They have this property that's doing well, sort of well for them, given what they paid for it. And so their next, they do a reboot as a, one of another genre that is doing well at the time, which is Saturday morning cartoons, right? And um, it's amazing that they, it's kind of creative, I guess, that they thought let's reboot it as a Saturday morning cartoon for a totally different audience. Doesn't, which means it doesn't have to have any connection to the Odd Couple. And they hired a team that had no connection to uh, sitcoms or sitcom style comedy. They hired uh, an animation team that was turned out to, I, I think the only interest in the show really would be from animation freaks who are really fans of this era. And yeah. the voiceover. So the voices are notable. So Frank Nelson, who is very well known if you watch Isle of Lucy or the Jack Benny show, uh, he plays Spiffy. Paul I, it's so weird. I thought this guy sounds like the guy in the old Jack Benny show. Yeah, that's him. He's the guy in the old Jack. Yes, yes. that's Frank that Nelson. Is him. Oh my yeah, God. that is him. And then uh, Paul Winchell, the famous ventriloquist, is Fleabag. So that's big. That's pretty big talent. And, and another then, voice that shows up in supporting. Joe roles. Besser mm-hmm. is Joe Besser from the Three Stooges. Oh my goodness! Is that who you were saying? No, but I was. That's all I have. Who do you have? Frank Welker. Do you know who Frank Welker? I know that name, but I don't know why. The reason you know that name is because of another Saturday morning cartoon that was dominating the the genre this time. Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo. Was he Scooby Doo? He was originally Scooby Doo, and he to this day he's still the voice of Scooby Doo in all the various retreads of it, and and then became Fred also took over for Casey. Fred Um. So he's in one of the wait, supporting wait. voices. Casey Kasem was Fred or Barney? Casey not Kasem Flintstones, was not Flintstones. Fred Scooby. who? Wait, oh, Fred the character. I'm oh, sorry. Yes. Sorry. Okay. I always thought you were saying <laughs> Fred Flintstones. All, all mixed, this is no, you said Fred and you're talking cartoons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. You're um, not Scooby Doo fans. All right. Here's the theme from The Oddball Couple. That's the only thing we're going to play. <laughs> Well, that pretty much sets the tone for the show. I mean, you know, the music, I did find some people making reference that the music was significant because some, uh, some of the, the, the writers of this theme work for Spike Jones. 
mm. the old spike and that has yeah. the, that shows in all the clangy and yeah the yeah it does it does sound like the old i mean there is something about the style that i could see appealing it's very it, to me it feels very much like scooby-doo because it's that era with the again with the laugh track cartoon the laugh track on the yeah, cartoon yeah remember yeah that? yes Which yeah i don't think is in it in the first episodes i think they if you watch the ones on youtube like the early there's some that don't have it and i noticed that was like the first one so they added the laugh track which is of course always funny because who's laugh what who are the animated people laughing at the we never worried about that as kids though did we ted no uh, so it does it, watching it reminds you of scooby-doo or some of the hanna-barbera cartoons also it has kind of that rough style of animation like not slick and kind of but it's kind of edgy sometimes and I could see uh, the team that did the animation we should say who it is that guy is do you have that info on you I don't have that info on me why why do we need to point this out I don't know he's like a legend in animation history which is obviously not our um field but the guy the the main animator was a veteran of the Warner Brothers came from Warner Brothers animation and uh when he left Warner, when Warner Brothers stopped doing, they closed their animation division apparently in the 60s. I didn't know that. Uh, after all those years of Looney Tunes and everything, they just decided to get out of the animation business. And this guy founded his own independent production company along kind of like what Hanna-Barbera did in the 60s. And this guy before- Are you talking about Fritz Freling? Yes, thank you, Fritz Okay. Freyling. And before this, his main his his main big thing was the Pink Panther. He did the Pink Panther animation, you know, that they that started in the Pink Panther. And movie. he did all the Looney became Tunes. Its own, became its own cartoon. And Looney Tunes, yes. Fritz Freling is. I did not actually realize Fritz Freling oh, okay. did this. So you you are correct to point out that it's Fritz Freling. I mean, there is significance in that. Is, that is probably the main yes. significance in this yes. oddball couple. Is if you're yeah. a fan of this kind of animation. Uh, and it, it is kind of appealing in that way. I find I found a little bit of it went a long way. Uh, but if you like that style, he also did the some of the, the original Cat in the Hat cartoon, I think, movie, um, some of the Dr. Seuss stuff. Very interesting career. Yes, uh, he introduced Bugs Bunny, Porky Pig, Tweety, oh. Sylvester, Yosemite Sand, Speedy Gonzales. So he is, yeah, he is... And this show has that kind of Warner, that's the anarchic style of the Warner Brothers, the Looney Tunes. You know, it's kind of a little violent, a little rough, uh, but still kid friendly. So, but yeah, I, I, and I'm not saying the show's bad. It's just as someone who's trying to do an odd couple podcast, it means <laughs> we have it, nothing to say about it. Nothing. It's just it's just meaningless to me. It's just yeah. it's another. It's like it's like if we did Scooby Doo, we're not going to talk about right. Scooby Doo here either. It's just, I mean, I watch the episodes and there's just nothing to really say about them. It's just, there's really nothing relevant except the title. Yeah. Except the uh, premise. Um, all right. Well, that wraps wow. up our, we've now done all five. Oh, well, now we've done, I think we've covered every. We did odd the couple. Neil Simon movies. Yes. We, we did the, the new odd couple sitcom reboots. We talked a little about the plays. We talked yeah. about the sitcom reboots oh, and the all cartoons. the plays, right? The reunion right. movie now. Yes. So I think and we've covered everything. Um, so we still hope to do some more episodes here. We talked about doing some trivia to each other. Talked about looking at Jack and Tony's uh, work together in roasts and other on-camera events in sort of like the life. odd couple them doing odd couples versions in different popular culture yes um 
So we hope to find more odd Jack and Tony odd couple related things to bring you in the future. Um, so that's it for now. Unless no one listens to this. And, uh, no, people, people, <laughs> we had good usage of yes. the new odd couple. I think okay. people will be, I think people will, but I don't, we don't care. We'll put it on anyway. That's right. We do it because we just are obsessed and can't help it. Okay. Bye. Bye.